Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, recorded live at River Road Studios. Today's show is brought to you by Get Healthy Now with Candace. Get healthy now, not later, not before, already now, and not tomorrow, now, right? <laughs> okay, right now. <laughs> if you'd love to do a consult and look at ways that you can get more healthy in your life, that you can improve your current feelings of wellness and, and lifestyle, give me a shout. You can look up, look me up at gethealthynow.com or gethealthynowwithcandice.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is, is changing. We have... What? Yes, I know. It's really mm-hmm. weird, but we, I, in the past said we we're a street reach and we're still doing street reach. We're doing it a different way. We have a place in Springfield and we also have a clinic that we have opened and have been doing for the last couple of months in Eugene, and that's the street reach part where we're specifically working with people that are unhoused. The clinic that we have in Springfield is a building, and we have two mm-hmm. suites of it. And one part is for hygiene supplies and food for people that are are struggling. They can just come in and get whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And then we have the other part, which is the medical part with the herbal um, part of it, and then the counseling as well as the integrated health part. And that is just because we have a place, just like anybody that's coming out of being unhoused to being housed, they find all of a sudden all of these survival skills that they needed to have time for. They don't need to have time for it anymore because, you know, they got four walls around us and that's the same thing for us. So yeah, it's been great it's to be able nice. to burst out and do a whole bunch more projects. So so how can people contribute? Well, we are a 501c3 and that is um, there's a bunch of uh, information that we have on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at occupy-medical.org. All right. And we're now, uh, our next sponsor is Mud Paw Design House, it's, uh, formerly Hunter Creation. This is the first time we're talking about it oh, yeah. mm-hmm. over the air, if you will. So Mud Paw Design House is a company that Candace and I run and own, and it is graphic design and website design. If you're looking for a website that will match your your branding of your of your your printed materials, we can help you out. Or if you have uh, printed materials and need a website, we can help you out with that too. So let us know at mudpawdesignhouse.com. That's a mud paw, mud, like a dog paw. Mud that's muddy. Yeah. Design com or mudpawdesignhouse.com. That's cute. All right. And how about you, Sue? What about me? What do you what do you what do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? Well, I've got two should I just talk about the two things real quick? What, uh, yeah, sure. I'll talk about Patreon first. Um so I mentioned before about Occupy Medical and I do a lot of stuff just during the week working with people that I cannot build them. I just can't. Yeah, they don't yeah. have any money. <laughs> right. But being yeah. a community herbalist, the work uh, I've been doing this for so long. The work just has to be done. So yeah. I am asking for people to donate to my Patreon account so that I can continue working with people. And with that kind of sponsorship, that means that um, I could also continue training other folks that want to open up clinics like we have. And I've been doing that and I've just been kind of doing it for free. So we need community herbalism in this country and I am willing to be um, the voice of experience so I just need support from people. And you can go to my Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash Sue Sierra Lupe. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. That's just one of them. Do you have any, oh, do you have any more? Do you have any supporters yeah. already? So I do. I have a couple of wonderful supporters that have been brave enough to put in for um, 
one of them is a one-time supporter, and then a, um, the others are monthly supporters. Nice. Nice. Yep. All so, right. Did thank you have something you very else? Much. Yes. So there's also uh, Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting, and that's at uh, gmail.com. And that is my business that I do herbal consulting, and that is for people get charged per hour for that one. So mm-hmm. that's that they get the same kind of service. Um, and I can come to people's houses and do things online and, uh, that's available. So you've heard the genius. <laughs> now you can have that in your life too. <laughs> right. Ace high heat graphics, custom printed shirts and caps and everything else that you can wear. Um, they're specially, they're specializing in, um, event wear. So if you are a, an herbal organization and you are putting on a fair or a festival and you need to have two, 300 shirts done, that Ace High Heat Graphics can help you out and save you a lot of money. Yeah. You know, the other thing that Ace High Heat Graphics is doing is also doing branded wear for companies. So for within the company. So if you are a herbal organization and you have employees and people and volunteers that you want to have them all wearing like the same shirts or they would like to support the company by purchasing a shirt. That's another thing that ACP right. Graphics yeah, we're, does. We're, in mm-hmm. fact, we, we're doing a, a, a company store for a large client right now. So their nice. employees can go there and buy um, their shirts. Um, we did a promotion for that company and all the employees liked the shirts so much that they, they wanted to buy them for workwear. Nice. So they said, can you help us with that? So we're setting them up with a with an online store. That's fairly cool. And yeah. with the political season brewing up, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would want their slogans written on their shirts too. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. And finally, the Herbal Nerd Society, for which we would not be able to do any of this. Right. Right. Yes. We are thankful for the Herbal Nerd Society. When I don't want to come here some days and record because I got other things to do, I just remember there's a bunch of Herbal Nerd Society members paying me to get here. I yeah. Know. <laughs> and they get content every single week. We put an article together. Uh, I've been uh, banging my head against the keyboard this month for Spilanthes. Right. Me too. That one's a challenging one because yep. it's not as well well promoted an herb yeah even though it is a really wonderful wonderful it herb. really mm-hmm. is i mean i use Powerful it in the clinic plant. a lot and doing all this research like man i'm underutilizing this plant right yes and i'm i'm doing the research on it but it's challenging to find herbal energetics on it it's pretty oh. sparse because hmm. it's not a part of the traditional ayurvedic or tcm pantheons and it's mm-hmm. really it's Certainly was probably used by Western, traditional Western herbalists way back when, but there's not a ton on it. So Mm -hmm. I'm finding that really interesting. Uh, Well, it's a fabulous plant. I remember being in the South. Just Mm -hmm. you cannot miss it because it's a little red red dot. And it's, oh, oh, I'm in love with it. So I'm learning. I'm learning things and I love sharing the things I'm learning with other people. So above and beyond the the more advanced herbal articles for the herb of the month, uh, we also have access to all of the old podcasts from which we realize today we've done this for about six years now. So we have 180 yeah. episodes, 160 of which are in the backlog. So you have 160 episodes of podcasts that you can get a hold of if you're a practical or the Herbal Nerd Society member. And also you get an ad-free viewing experience. No mm-hmm. pop-ups, no you know right. banner ads, no... Google ads, it's just straight content. Yep, and so. the Let's Talk series where we have a, a yep. section where people yep. can listen to some of our guests give a, a 
specific information about their chosen topic. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, on with the show. Western herbalists have long used energetics to describe how herbs work. While we have a long practical and energetic tradition routed in European medicine, we often feel called to cultures with, with much longer, better documented traditions to inform, inspire, and guide us into the healing arts. Today we're talking with Justin Ehrlich, practitioner of classical Chinese medicine and licensed acupuncturist about following that call. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sousier Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I am Patrick Hunter, standing in for Sousier Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Hey, Justin. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Glad <laughs> to be here. All right. Great to have you here today. I, I've i listened to a few of the talks that you have um, on like YouTube and a couple of podcasts you've done. And I love the way that you bring Chinese herbalism and Western thinking together. You have a great synergy. Thank you very much. It's a uh... It's been an interesting journey, to say the least. Yeah, um, I, uh, and, that's and a, continues to be. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, how on earth did you get started with this? You know, I got first exposed to some of the concepts and principles of Chinese medicine via martial arts, um, learning how to sort of fix the body when it's been damaged. Um, and some of the philosophical sides of it in terms of meditation and sort of just moral conduct, sort of life journey, not really morals per se, but sort of just general philosophy towards life. Um, and I really resonated with it. It just made sense. Yeah, there is, at least in the martial arts practice that we've done, Patrick and I have done in Taekwondo, we've found that that, that whole idea of the way of being, right action, moving with respect and all of that is really integrated into that system in a way that you can't separate it. Exactly. And, and you know, the martial arts world has its own sort of, um, the, the term in Chinese would be morality. Um, yeah. But it is, you know, that's pretty heavily influenced by Confucian perspective of respecting your elders and proper conduct and those sorts of things. And then Taoism sort of brings in this deeper connection to nature, um, which also grabbed me. And um, so that became a nice, uh, nice sort of segue into deeper aspects of the medicine and connection to life and how we flow in life, not just within society, but also like on the planet and in that sort of bigger picture of humanity and the earth and, and all, all of us that are here. So what part of um, Taoism really resonated with that? What did, what, what tenant, if you will, because I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with it. Taoism is, you know, one of the, the world sort of big religions and there are, many sort of sects of Taoism, and I'm not a a religious Taoist. Um, I don't follow uh, the liturgical side of Taoism in terms of studying classical textbooks to memorize the scriptures and and those sorts of things. My my real introduction to Taoism was through the medicine and the study of the human experience, Um, mostly as that shows up as disease, Mm -hmm. because I was studying medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on a bigger level of how 
interrelated sort of personal development or the uh, Taoist word of cultivation is intertwined with disease and sort of figuring out our life path and working through everything from the uh, the physical to the emotional to the spiritual sides of our lives because Chinese medicine and, and Taoism don't separate those three facets of who we are. Um, and it was really that idea that those three are integrated that really grabbed me and made just made sense. So you, um, you were you were raised in like California, Western. Are, yeah, you, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I was raised in San Diego, total uh, redneck part of San Diego, um, and just didn't fit in. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that 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 is a huge shift when you're talking about someone who's just been raised in your standard American suburbs or cities, right? I mean, yeah, that I mean, thinking my, is my big. family wasn't particularly religious. Um, my mother's side of the family would be of sort of Christian heritage, but not practicing. Um, and my father's side is Jewish, but not practicing. Um, my father lives out in the forest and is a a big worshiper of the planet. He's an ecologist. And so I got a lot of deep respect for nature and the planet via sort of his worldview. Um, and so I didn't really have any preconceived notions of what religion was supposed to be because I wasn't raised with any of it. I just resonated with this worldview. And, and I kind of knew from when I was first exposed to it that this was actually just what was natural to me. Right. Um, Honestly, but it certainly did fit in within the larger community. That, <laughs> right. that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that must have been challenging, actually. I mean, you know, in in a way, I was really quite fortunate to be oblivious to that. I it just resonated with me. That's all that mattered, and I didn't really care what nice. what the rest of the world uh, thought or felt, and right. I was kind of lost in my own world to to care much about it. So I was lucky that I didn't have any uh, struggles around that. Nice. Nice. So where did you end up doing many of your studies or much of your studies? Well, I did my, um, my training in Chinese medicine was here in San Diego. I, I went to, to college up in Seattle and in Tokyo and then moved around for a little while and ended up back here for graduate school. Um, and uh, did my training in Chinese medicine. And then since then, I've studied with one particular Taoist teacher um, for the last 19 years or something like that. Um, and I follow him around uh, all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I've stayed based here in San Diego. Nice. When you're following him around, is that like through San Diego or as he's traveling and talking and teaching? Yeah, he teaches all over the country and all over the world. And so I'll go to seminars um, nice. to study or do ongoing classes with him, some in L.A., San Francisco, New York. He's based out of out of uh, Manhattan. So a okay. lot of time back there. Back um, and, yeah. But he, but he teaches all over. And so depending on what the subject is and what my schedule is like, I will go to uh, as many classes as I can. That's got to make it difficult to be a um, practicing acupuncturist unless you're, unless you're doing it all over. 
Yeah, I mean, my my brick and mortar is here in San Diego, but I also work with people via the internet all the time. And so I have clients that are on the East Coast and in Canada and um, overseas, and that part doesn't really have to matter. Um, but for physical acupuncture, you do you do have to be yeah, same, they don't, same they, location. Yeah, they don't have a <laughs> Skype for that. You know? There's no Skype no, acupuncture. They haven't, come up with, they haven't come up with that one yet. So, or a, a haptic um, response. But a, a lot of the work I do is more life coaching, if you will, um, sort of guiding people through understanding themselves and working towards health um, via a path of more empowerment rather than sort of passively receiving treatment from me. Right. And all that work we can do it at, at really any distance. So that's not, uh, not been a problem, fortunately. Nice. And you work with a lot of herbs at various levels. I assume when you're doing some of your distance work, you're probably also suggesting herbs to folks who are distant, right? Yeah. So when people are here locally, of course, I can do acupuncture. Um, And then when people are distant, we will use herbal medicine and then often also um, essential oils that people can apply to acupuncture points. Nice. So that you have a sort of chemical acupuncture, if you will, nice. because the plant medicine has its own sort of energetics. And if we think of um, manual therapies like massage or acupuncture, you have the physical manipulation of the local tissue, the different massage techniques you can do or the different needle manipulation techniques you do that create a particular type of neurological reaction in the body and the oils can mimic that. So you can have oils that are more hydrating or nourishing. You can have oils that are more drying or more hot, or more cooling. Um, in the same way, I can do that with a needle. And so I can create a blend of essential oils to have somebody apply to certain acupuncture points. And they can then have a sort of chemical acupuncture. Um, and I don't need to be there in person. That is powerful. And that that is not a part of really 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 old Chinese medicine. How well, it's how it's you... not, and it is um, in the sense that the Chinese weren't necessarily distilling um, essential oils historically. Right. Um, they were doing distillation in terms of making alcohol to drink, but they weren't um, doing plant distillation. But they have been for millennia making herbal poultices and salves and applying them to acupuncture points. So using essential oils to do that versus using a powdered substance to do that is not a, um, not a big jump. It's just a different physical modality, but the concept of which points you would apply it to um, is really still the same. I suppose that it does make sense. Um, I, there's been a, a debate that shows up every now and then on in amongst herbal circles here that I've I've been in over whether essential oils should be part of herbalism or whether they're somehow a separate thing and I find it interesting that you're integrating them into traditional Chinese medicine type of practice yeah i mean there's several people out there doing that and and my teacher is the one who mostly taught me that. I'd also did studies in in Western aromatherapy as well. Um, But the, you know, the use of essential oils, the, the trick 
within the, the paradigm of Chinese medicine, of course, is understanding Western plants from the perspective of Chinese medicine. Yeah. Now we're starting to get more Chinese herbs available as essential oils, but historically you're working mostly with Western plants. Right. Um, and then once you get into essential oils, you know, whether it's a CO2 extract or it is a steam distillation, will also affect the, yeah. um, the impact of the oil. So you have to sort of study things and get familiar with how they work in your body and to be able to just kind of make some of those, those connections. Um, but I'm also a bit of a, a mad scientist and like experimenting on myself. So that part is always fun for me. So, <laughs> so what has been your favorite experiment so far? Like the most exciting one in terms of trying them on yourself? Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan in, in Taoism, there are different schools of thought. Um, and one of the branches of Taoism is very much into this idea of alchemy and using herbs to, to transform yourself rather than to just simply treat symptoms. And within that branch of Taoism, there's a lot of use of taking some sort of substance and then doing your meditation work or doing your sort of personal cultivation work. Um, and that was something that I really resonated with of how to use the plants as part of my own sort of personal growth, um, which of course led into me being hopefully a, a better practitioner for my clients as well, because I had to go through all of that myself. Right. Um, but those types of formulas that I can take and then go meditate with are, um, usually my, the things that I enjoy the most. And do you typically use formulas as opposed to trying herbs as individuals when you're getting to know them? Um, if I'm studying something that's new, that is um, in terms of essential oils, I will use them individually to get to know them. Um, but most of Chinese medicine is based around the use of formulas, yeah. not individual herbs. We almost almost never use things individually. Um, and so usually I will take a a formula and experiment with it that way. That makes sense. It, um, it seems like it would be challenging though, to try to formulate at least off the bat with essential oils, because as you said, most of them are based on Western style herbs, which you first need to know, figure out how to map them to Chinese medicine, which would mean you got to start working with each one individually. Right. Yeah, and there are some books out there that map out some of that information to tell us, you know, what the herbs do or what their actions are. And once you begin to look at some of the chemotyping and some of the active ingredients that are in the oils, you can immediately tell if something is more anti-inflammatory versus more irritating to the tissues or more drying. And then you can begin to classify fairly easily. Um, and there's a lot of information on how the these plants are used in western medicine um and so that also gives you some insight into what tissues of the body it affects so that you can have a better idea of um where it's going to go or what acupuncture channels it's going to have a uh, a resonance with have you noticed so, have you noticed that there's any particular formulas that show up most often for you or any particular herbs that show up most often as being most needed? Yeah, I was gonna ask what you might you know, what a go-to <laughs> idea is for you. 
Um, one of the areas that, I mean, part of this starts to jump into some of the bigger theories of Chinese medicine and the, the role of basically Taoism or Chinese medicine looks at the body within three cavities. You have the sort of foundational abdominal cavity, you have the chest cavity or thoracic cavity, and then you have the cranial cavity, the head, and the the lower belly deals more with sort of primal energy and reproductive energy and that sort of stuff. The chest deals more with our our emotional relationships and then the head deals more with um, the sort of psycho-spiritual world. And a lot of the work I do is around the chest and helping people work through trauma and um, probably most consistently judgment on some level, um, letting go of judgment of self or letting go of judgment of others um, as that being a major block in our our healing uh, possibility. And so oils that resonate with opening up the chest and nourishing the chest are usually oils or herbs that I resonate with um, because of that. Um, and in Chinese medicine, the lungs um, deal with this concept of order and judgment um, externally, and our pericardium, our heart protector, um, deals with our inner judgments. And so often I'm looking for herbs or oils that affect the sort of energetic dynamic of those two organs um, in particular. Sure. So like if you were an herbalist and you'd said, I, I'm, someone would say I'm having liver issues or whatever, one of the things you could say is, well, let, let's look at dandelion as a possibility of a way to help you yeah. cleanse. So if you were talking about... Um, the judgment centers here, either internal or external, what what would be like a, you know, a common not, not, not that I'm saying that you have to prescribe, but it's like what would be the kind of herbs that people would be looking for on this or you would be looking at? Um, one that is good for sort of uh, calming the mind down and sort of helping to reduce some of the intensity of our of our inner critic would be the root of red sage, okay. salvia. Um, Multihisere, I believe, is the, the Latin. I'm, I'm usually pretty bad with the Latin side of things. The, the Chinese is Dan Shen. Yeah, I was going to say Dan Shen, right? Yes. Um, and it's used in, in sort of modern Chinese medicine for pericarditis, angina, those sorts of heart-related inflammatory pathologies. But at lower dosages, it begins to sort of cool the heart or the mind um, in Chinese medicine mm. um, and is used. Uh, Don is also the, the, the Chinese word for alchemy. Oh, nice. For so so it, nice. it's Don Shen. Shen means root. Um, so it's the alchemical root. And the color of it, the red, signifies the area of the chest and the heart and um, it is used a lot for that sort of hyperactive mental inner critic side of things. So that one might um, be a good one for someone who's been having maybe relationship problems and they're blaming themselves for them for like, they're always judging themselves and saying it was my, my fault. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, to go a little more into the sort of physiology, the way that Chinese medicine views how the body works 
Um, the pericardium deals with how we imprint memories and run stories in our mind. And salvia helps to slow that process down because it's cool in nature rather than warming. It cools and cold slows everything down. But it also helps keep it moving so that it doesn't stay stuck. It increases blood circulation. And the in Chinese medicine, the emotions and the mind are housed in the blood. And so by cooling the blood, you reduce some of the intensity of the emotions. And by moving the blood, you keep the person from staying stuck in that sort of repetitive cycle of whatever story is running. Nice. Nice. Yeah. From a, like from a Western herbalist perspective, one of the ones that we would use for a similar type of situation might be just regular sage, you know, common Mm -hmm. culinary sage. Often it's the leaf, but it's always in Western literature, it's associated with wisdom, which has that same slow down and let's just take a look at things. Let's not get stuck. Let's, let's keep moving, but let's take a look at this carefully and gently, you know, that wisdom piece. I think that Chinese ended up using a lot more roots and those sorts of things because they were more easily preserved um, than the more aromatic leaves per se. Um, And when you're using herbs in this way, we often use them at a lower dosage. So where if somebody comes in and they're having angina, we might prescribe 9 or 12 grams of the dried root. When you're using it as sort of a way to calm the mind down, you might use three grams of it, one gram of it using, you know, really quite low dosage so that it's able to affect more of the psycho-spiritual side of the body rather than trying to affect the physical tissues per se. That makes a lot of sense. So if you, if you have someone who comes in and it's the other half of that broken up relationship and they're blaming the other person for it and they're judging everybody else. So that would be more lungs, right? It would be lungs, and then sometimes it would also be the liver. Um, The liver in Chinese medicine is associated with this um, energy of spring, if we think of it as this upward and outward vector of, of direction. And because of that upward and outward vector, it sort of raises us up and puts us above the other person, which is the emotion of anger. So anything that where we start to feel a little bit self-righteous and better than would be, would fall under the domain of, of the liver. And in some case, the lungs as well, as far as a a judgment. But as soon as we start to lift ourselves up, um, that can be a little bit more under the domain of the liver. And then we're looking for things to calm that down and soothe that and sort of get the liver to soften up a little bit. Um, a simple herb that would be would be nice for that. It's a little astringent, so it helps to pull things down and in. Um, would be peony root, white peony root, um, which is a tonic in Chinese medicine, but it's uh, it's sour and goes to the liver, so it nurtures the liver a little bit, and its sourness helps to kind of soothe it and calm it down. Nice, and it's not draining like dandelion root is really draining. Exactly. Dandelion. Yeah, it's used in Chinese medicine um, as a fire toxin herb. So we use it for Uh, um, cancerous growths, those sorts of things where there's a lot of congestion um, used a lot for 
breast tumors, liver tumors, those sorts of things. Um, and it's quite bitter and cold and um, delicious as a food, but in, <laughs> in whole medicine, it's, uh, it's, intense. it's used, used a lot for liver disease. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to ask you before our, our audience, fire toxin. Can you explain what fire, fire toxin is? Yes. Because that sounds like a cool name. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> right. It's like a video fire gamer name. <laughs> would be sort of like um, necrotic tissue would be an example of fire toxins, where there's so much inflammation that the tissues are beginning to break down and become toxic, become putrid, become gangrenous, or that sort of spectrum of of the inflammatory cascade like literally like literally Literally. necrotic literally yeah okay what you see with tumor what you see with an infection um MRSA those sorts of things so it's a lot more in western medicine you know or regular uh modern western herbal practice dandelion root is often used very often and Mm -hmm. you know it sounds like it it may be from a Chinese perspective, it may be overused. Just depends on what's going on and, and also the, the dosage that we're using with it. You know, if you're taking dandelion leaves and boiling them, um, it's a little less intense than taking the leaves and then all of the roots as well. Right. Um, and then if they've been toasted, um, which are like a lot of dandelion tea is roasted dandelion. Right. Um, that toasting process will change the dynamic of the plant and make it more warming or make it less cooling, if you will. So it's less harsh. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It sweetens it up a little bit. So it makes it more. Exactly. Um, So then it wouldn't be as harsh. The the concern with any um, of those types of plants when we are using them in high dosage is that they tend to be fairly cold and our digestive system is warm by nature. And so too much of those cold plants, cold herbs can be taxing in our digestive system and lead to side effects. And that's partly why Chinese medicine is always using formulas to help sort of mitigate the potential for side effects. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the third part, or the because we've talked mm-hmm. about the, the, you know, the chest cavity. Yeah. And you had said something about, you know, the head being another cavity and there was something specific cranial. earlier on the cranial cavity, but there was something specific that, um, you had said as a, as a common thing that you deal with. And when you had said it, it resonated with, with, uh, with me and, and our son. And I was like, Oh, I want to get back to that, but I didn't write it down. So that I can't remember exactly <laughs> what you were saying. Uh, one of the major things, um, uh, when dealing with, um, that, I mean, cause we understood the, with what you said with the chest, but I was like, there was a main topic or main uh, example. Yeah, a you lot gave. of is, is judgment and how judgment becomes the block to our healing. And that um, was in the cranial part. Judgment that is in the chest. That was in the chest. Okay. So what was the, the cranial one that you were talking the about? The cranial area would be more of sort of psycho-spiritual side of, of work. What's right. going on inside of our, our head and our connection into divinity or something greater than us whether we name that nature or God or Jesus or Buddha or Allah or, right. you know. Um, yeah, any of the paths to the top of the mountain. But 
exactly. I mean, yeah, I was just trying to, I, there was something, I mean, I really wish I'd wrote that down because there was something specific that you had said and I just can't remember well, maybe, what it was. Yeah. It wasn't a judgment. It was, because that judgment was internal or external, but then there was, it was something else you had said and it just was like, ooh, and I and I didn't have my pen with me to write that down as to what it was. But if we can't come back to it, we can't come back to it. So, darn it. We have a teenager. <laughs> that's a houseful right right yeah and when you were talking about the um the, the cranial uh issues some of the things that I, I hear him say and hear him do i was like oh geez i'm going home right tonight and pump this house full of sage <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i think so, it was the well, pericardium that you were talking are you sure the pericardium of. yeah the pericardium mm -hmm. is how we judge ourselves right. and also sort of how we armor ourselves mm -hmm. um it's in chinese medicine the name of it is the what wraps the heart and the heart is where our spirit resides and so our pericardium becomes our our inner armoring um which we use to um protect ourselves from the outside um protect ourselves from the inside but also sort of as our inner critic as well and working to open that up is sort of central to any sort of psycho-spiritual work within the perspective of Taoism because we have to open our heart to something bigger than ourselves mm -hmm. um, as part of that journey. And if we're armored up around all these triggers and traumas and events that have happened in our lives, then we can't, uh, we can't do that. Yeah. You can't uh, move. Is like with Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic um, tradition, they talk about when you're looking at like the chakra development, you know, when a mm -hmm. child is, I can't remember the ages, but each chakra develops at different points. So when they hit like the middle school years, you're, that's when the heart chakra is developing and it just sort of keeps going up. And then you get to the top of the head and the crown and the connection with spirit uh, much more into your adult years, you know, when your brain is mostly fully formed and. And at that point, you're energetically a fully formed being. Does Chinese medicine and Taoist practice recognize a, a, a layering of how we grow like that? It does um, in, a, in a different way. Um, the, the Taoist perspective is kind of that we, we all come in with a sort of pre-ordained curriculum of certain things that we want to experience in this life. And we may experience all of them. We may experience none of them, depending on what choices we make and how we navigate our lives. But we'll be presented with different things. And so we come in as this sort of clean slate of a child, but with a sort of built-in life path that is, is sort of vaguely there for us to begin exploring. So we have like a rough curriculum <laughs> that yeah, we're planning exactly. to go on. You know, and, and some of that stuff is by choice, and some of that is is out of our range of control. We're born a man, or we're born a woman, or we're born in North America, or we're born in right. South Africa, or we're born in Holland, or we're born in Russia. You know, some of those things we can't control, and who our parents are, we can't really control. Um, so some of these things are sort of preordained, if you will. And... As we grow, we begin to experience traumas and socialization, being taught what is right, what is wrong, based on the society that we live in or the family that we live in. 
Um, because, you know, even within the United States, different regions will have different social norms. Um, yeah. And even within one region, each family will be different. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we have traumas that influence us as well. And basically, between social education and traumas, we begin to sort of mold ourselves to what's expected of us. And we turn away from opening our heart up because we're afraid of judgment or being punished or feel like, oh, that behavior would be inappropriate, even though this is what I naturally feel. And so a lot of the the Taoist perspective is about the sort of shedding of the baggage that we accumulate from birth through our young adulthood. And then as we move into more young adulthood, we begin to start to realize we're carrying this baggage. And so then the, the work is the unraveling of the blocks versus us naturally growing into connection to spirit. We're trying to sort of unravel yeah. the things that aren't our truth. So that's all the you know late teens, but moving into the 20s and maybe even early 30s, where we're exactly. all finding ourselves. Yeah, and we see that in sort of the the Saturn returns or in the midlife crisis or in those sorts of things where you're like, wait a minute, how did I get here? This isn't where I was supposed to be and who I'm meant to be and the sort of crisis that unfolds when we realize maybe we weren't living the life that we were and that, most called to. So that that might be partly, that's the point where you start to really work with herbs for the chest cavity, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It would be the time where we can begin to um, you begin to use plant medicine to help us with that exploration. Or if we're on the sort of other side of it, if we know there's something wrong and we're suffering a lot of anxiety around the fact that things are wrong, using plants to help us settle into what's there so we can begin the unraveling process. Yes, um, yeah. I I tend to to sort of, in simple terms, break the journey into two positions. One is we know something is there, but we can't quite put our finger on it, and we need to discover what it is. We know we're unhappy. We know there's something, but we can't quite label it. And so we need to open up Pandora's box and and get a better look at what's really there. Um, The other side of the equation is we know what's there, and it's just too intense for us to sit with. Yeah. And we don't know how to move forward beyond it because it's too intense to be present with it. And all all healing occurs in that present moment. Yeah. And so if we can't settle down and be, be fully present with what is really bothering us, we can't heal that. And so then we can use plant medicine to help us settle into presence with whatever pain or trauma or judgment is there. So we can begin that that healing process. So was there a point where you awoke to needing to do that for yourself? <laughs> yes, painful, painful, painful moment. <laughs> yes, the nature, the nature and journey for all of us. Um, I was, I was married, and I went through a very painful divorce. Um, and uh, I turned to the stuff that I had studied and spent a lot of time on the cushion and drinking my herbs and journaling and mind mapping and and really kind of diving deep into the the personal growth side of it if you will and and using the 
the plants as part of that journey. Nice. Was there um, any one plant or any one practice that you found just kept coming up for you as being one of your favorite tools or favorite allies? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a couple of formulas that I use regularly in my practice um, and I've used with my clients for many years. Um, and these are formulas that I've used on myself as well. Um, and one of them is a formula called uh, the three Shen, the three roots or the three spirits, um, which is uh, Don Chen, the sage root that we were speaking about, Xuan Shen, which is scrofularia. Oh, I yeah, believe. yeah, scrofularia. Uh, uh, which means in Chinese is the mysterious root. And then Kushen, which is Sephora root, um, which is the bitter root or the suffering root. And this is a classical alchemical formula for meditative purposes. And the three herbs work together um, as a, is a blend to help us slow the mind down, um, which would be the Dan Shen. The Xuan Shen, the scrofularia, helps us to soften into ourselves, to kind of drop inward so that the mind settles inside of us rather than moving externally. And the Ku Shen, the bitter root or the suffering root, helps us to begin the process of separating ourselves from whatever it is we're entangled with. Um, and so I would drink that tea. Um, say a little mantra that went with it, sip it, and then do my meditation practice. Um, and for myself, at least, when I'm working with any sort of entanglement, uh, my main practice will almost always be two-point awareness, where I am being as present as I possibly can with the part of me that is suffering, and whatever that suffering is, if it's anger, if it's fear, if it's grief, and include my breath or the feeling of the ground. Nice. And I will just okay. hang out with those two things. Just basically all you're trying to do is to keep the brain from jumping down the rabbit hole of fight or flight around that particular subject. You're not trying to change it. You're not trying to manipulate it. You're not trying to convince yourself you shouldn't feel that way. You're just taking sanctuary in the breath or in the presence of the ground beneath your feet. Nice. That sounds very much like um, shamanic practice that I was taught a while, long while ago. But... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, most of those practices come back to how do we connect into something bigger than us so that we don't get lost down our sort of egoic journey so we can be bigger than our our emotional response, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Um, and so that formula of the three Shen is something that I use in my practice and I have it on my website and um, it's, it's an amazing formula. It's certainly gotten me through um, plenty of triggers and, and as well as my, my clients. And then I have another formula that is more about opening Pandora's box. Okay, hold so on. So we break people into those. Yeah. Hold on just a second. Hold Sue on. just entered. So we're going to have her oh. sit down. Patrick's going to pause this in a part of the discussion for. Well, hey, Sue made it in. 
Finally got through all the traffic, eh? Yeah, and no kidding. Oh, Swimming upstream. Right? So, Sue, we're talking with Justin Ehrlich today, and we were talking, we just went through a three-shin formula. three-shin formula. Formula. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's going to introduce another formula for everybody, and I'll let him take that. Go ahead, Justin. Okay. Uh, so, the, the other formula is a formula called yin fire. And yin would be the, the pair to yang, when you hear of, in Chinese medicine of yin and yang. And yin represents our, our inner world versus yang being more the external side of things. And so this formula is for when there is a certain amount of heat that is trapped inside of us and we're trying to let it out and identify what that is. So when somebody is struggling with something and there is a sense of, of discomfort, of pain, or of, of suffering around it, but they can't quite put their finger on what is eating away at them. So this is like um, one of those times where you're frustrated with your family, and they're not quiet enough, and then you talk to them about it, and they get quiet down, and then you find you're now frustrated with something else, and something else is irritating you, and you just can't quite get work to work out, and then you talk to your boss... And that works out. Now you're really frustrated and you just keep finding that no matter what you do, the pain moves around, but it's still there. That's a very specific example, Candice. Yeah, it's it's for when we know that there's something bugging us and we can't quite figure out what it is. It's like it's locked away inside a box, in Pandora's box, if you will. And we need the box to open up so we can let it out, so we can figure out what it is, and then take whatever steps are necessary to break free from it, to disentangle from it, which is what the the three shen would be more for. Um, But this formula is to help open up that armoring um, of Pandora's box, the inner armor that keeps all of our unpleasant experiences locked away and out of sight. Um, And it's also a three-herb combo of uh, cypress root, which is uh, xiangfu in, in Chinese. And it is neutral to slightly warm, and it opens up the pericardium. So it helps open up the box and get the blood to move outward. And in modern Chinese medicine, it's used for menstrual cramps, um, irritability, those sorts of things, because it really helps to move the blood and promote circulation. Um, it's combined with gardenia flowers, jirtza, which drain the heat as it, as that box is opening, opening up, we are working from the assumption that because it's been trapped in there, there's a certain amount of heat that has built up. So as we open the box, we want something to drain some of that heat out. So it's not too intense of an experience. And then the third herb would be a chorus. Uh, sweet flag, um, because that has a, in Chinese medicine, we call it uh, something that opens the orifices. It helps us to perceive the world differently. Um, and so that combination allows us to begin to open up the armoring, reduce the intensity of whatever it is that comes out, and then hopefully perceive the world a little bit differently so we can figure out what has been been eating away at us Um, and i often recommend that with journaling with talk therapy with mind mapping 
so that we're we're actively engaging and trying to sort of unravel what's really going on behind the scenes. That makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, as you start to open it up, if you put it down on paper or you talk it out, you get it out of that box. And once it's out of the box, it looks differently. I mean, we've all had the experience of having an inner dialogue of frustration over some problem, which may be a very simple, like, how am I going to get my car engine to be working? This part just doesn't seem to fit. And then you get it out there and you talk it out. And suddenly just the act of hearing your own voice can cause you to see it differently. And then suddenly you realize, oh, if I flip it or whatever you need to do. Exactly. I'm glad you're adding other modalities to that particular one, because I know from working with folks in the clinic that I work with, once they get some kind of grasp on one of the issues that's bothering them, it seems to manifest in other, other ways, unless there are a variety of other supports for that person. Yeah. I mean, I think the, one of the things that I really like about Chinese medicine or, or this side of Taoist medicine, if you will, is that the plants are meant to be our allies. They aren't the medicine. And so to drink the tea or to take the medicine and think that that is what is going to do the healing would be false from how I have been taught. They're meant to help us do our portion of the work. And so drinking the three shan or drinking the yin fire, I still have to do my part of it. If I don't do that, then all I've done is trade one medication for another medication that I haven't stepped into the space of empowerment where true healing happens. Mm. And so um, participation is necessary, if you will. Um, it's not an option within the paradigm of of Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the holistic model. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. I mean, ultimately, I'm not the one that that heals anybody. Right. They heal themselves. Their body does whatever it is that it's going to do. Their spirit does whatever it's going to do. But I can help facilitate that, and I can give them tools or allies or team members to work with. Um, and hopefully I can do that efficiently. Right. If I'm well-trained and, and good, at my, good at my part of the equation. Although I think it's helpful to remember that all medicine is a practice. It's not yeah. a, a mastery. It's always a practice. I mean, you may master it, but the master still practices. Yeah. And we're always learning the, the, the deepest parts of life. You know, they're, they're just things that we keep deepening our relationship with rather than ever truly grasping. Right. Uh, well, um, uh, also that quote that you had about them being allies, uh, working with the unhoused, that's the population I specialize in. We, I can completely see, because I've done this before, using herbal medicine as symptom management. And mm-hmm. that's not that's not my goal to do that. But for yeah. people in an urgent care si- situation, that's, that's what you got to do. And people will keep coming back with new things until they get the, the basic problem settled. And that's a, usually it's a number of people need to be involved in that. And usually it's just yeah. getting them a riff. In, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's the first. in Chinese herbal medicine, the 
sort of first textbook we have on on herbal medicine is the Divine Farmer's Classic of Herbal Medicine, the Shen Nong Materia Medica. And the medicines in that book were divided into three categories of lower, middle, and upper grade medicines. And the lower grade medicines were sort of the medicines we would use for acute care. Mm-hmm. The middle grade would be for the, for the rehabilitation period. And then the upper grade would be the longevity and personal cultivational side of medicine. And that is also one of the uh, bigger guiding principles of, of the medicine when somebody comes in we may want them to get to the point of doing cultivation and empowerment part of the journey. But when they're first coming in, their symptoms are acute and you just treat what is there to help them move towards middle grade, to help them move towards upper grade as all part of that um, spectrum of the, of the healing process. Um, And Definitely, there are times that people come in and we just need to treat what's there because it is acute. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you spending time going through this. And um, I, I also really appreciate the respectful tone that you have for not only the herbs, but the population that you are working with, whether you know it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do respect. I hope I am respectful of them because I'm, I'm one of them, right? Right. I'm another human going through my own journeys and have my own triggers and, you know, my days of being irritable and my days of being heartbroken and my days of being joyful and my days of being scared. And we're all, we're all in this big muddy field together. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, humility is also really good medicine. Well, thank you for for staying with us. And I apologize publicly for my delay. Uh, I'm not responsible for traffic out there. But someday when I get a helicopter, then I think this will all be a lot faster. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So if y'all want to donate to the Practical Herbalist so that we can get a helicopter for Sue. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) www.practicalherbalisthelipad. How can people get a hold of you? The best place to reach me is on my website, which is just my name. It's justinerlich.com. Um, and you can find me on social media on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that as well but my website is usually the best place to track me down great okay well Well, with that I guess put an herb on it (laughs) the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration FDA and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliate websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. All, always consult a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamin, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication.